Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. We're rolling into the last week of Kelly and Company, ladies and gentlemen, before we take a bit of a hiatus and come back in January. As Kelly and Ramya airing starting January 9th, he's simulcast here on AMI-audio and over on AMI-tv. So I'm trying to remember that as we work through the last week. You know, kind of don't have that kind of spacey look when I'm reading emails or something on the side. Brock Richardson joining me today, and oh, in my notes here, it says Brock recently got a new cell phone. Hmm. Scam it? Did you legitimately buy it, or one of those nice little programs? How'd you get one, and why? It's one of the, it's one of those um, lease to own things because it's hard to buy them just outright unless you have unless lots you go of like money. right to Apple or who? Well, no, I resemble that remark. <laughs> um. Are you satisfied with the terms? Because that's always the tricky thing, right? I am. It's uh, it's a two year, so it's like a two year lease, and you pay like thirty or forty dollars a month, and then at the end of the two year term, you can either pay the remainder, which is going to be about three hundred or so, or you can uh, trade it in and get something new. I will vote for the trade it in and get something new. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean. I've hung on to mine for quite a while since before the pandemic. Just haven't bothered to get it. It's it's acting up. I do need to do that and will at some point. But I can't imagine somebody saying, "Yeah, I'll pay the difference." Now, for those of you maybe out there who say, "Well, why not? I like my phone. I don't want to learn something new. It's an absolute waste for me to change exchange this just because what I have to have the most brand new, the the up to date." Uh, I get that. But we do have such a culture where, okay, it's a two-year contract. Boom. I want my next one. You know what the biggest hiccup for me was, Kelly? And it's so simple. But on your on the iPhone 11, the messages would come up at the top underneath the time. Now, with the, with the new one, it comes up at the bottom. So where your finger would swipe up from the bottom to type in your codes or whatever – that's where your messages come, and that threw me off for weeks. And I was like, oh, I don't think I can handle this with such a change. But now I quite like it that way, and if they change it in two years' time when you're up to like the 16, 17, whatever number we'll be up to by then, I might be annoyed that it'll be back in the top or the middle, but the bottom was hard for me to uh, wrap my mind around initially. They may change that in an update. The thing I find, Brock, is as a blind person using voiceover and and tapping, and some of us double tap, well, double tapping or drag and lift, manipulating the phone speed, not just the voice itself for me, just the reaction time. Um, I find that it just gets slower and slower, which, of course, isn't true. These things move faster and faster, but it's our reaction. Now, I mean, touch and listening is never going to be as fast as the human eye, so I can imagine, but you you really start feeling like, oh, my gosh, this phone's too slow. Not to mention when it says to you, uh, this app can no longer be updated, basically, you know, LOL, <laughs> your phone's too old. Um, I, I start getting the subtle hints. Anyway, folks, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us. Let's take a look ahead to see what's up today on this Monday edition of Kelly and Company. Brock Richardson, that fella right there, will be here shortly with his sports update. But he's here now to say 
Major changes are coming to Ira, the smartphone app that connects blind explorers with sighted describers to learn more about their findings or surroundings, excuse me. Michael Babcock has more coming up in a bit. In hour two of the program on Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin, we discuss the inquiry into the Canadian government's use of the Emergencies Act when we have our guest, Harris Weevil, join us as well, the director of the Freedom uh, Developmental Programs at the course, as we know, the uh, Canadian Civil Liberties Association. Well, I also got to grab a note here of something a little interesting, Brock, our tummies. Uh, food inflation is set to remain stubbornly high in the first half of 2023, perhaps rising as much as 7% before we can get a break. Now, this is the conclusion of the latest uh, edition of Canada's uh, Food Price Report that was released this morning. This Canadian press reporter has more for us. Sylvain Charlebois is the lead author of the report and a Dalhousie University professor of food distribution and policy. He says when you look at the current food inflation cycle we're in right now, we're probably in the seventh inning stretch. He says while the first part of the year will remain challenging, he expects things will ease in the second half. The report says multiple factors could influence food prices next year, including climate change, geopolitical conflicts, rising energy costs, and the lingering effects of COVID-19. Okay, well, Charlebois also says a weaker Canadian dollar could also make importing goods a little more expensive as well. You know, Brock, we hear this, and I think some of these things as we talk climate change, always an issue. You're always going to have a bad crop season for whatever it might be, potatoes, lettuce, whatever. Yeah, it's so funny that, you know, you talk about groceries going up as much as uh, 7%, and I didn't re- at first like before the pandemic you know you didn't really he- hear much about it you just kind of went and buy- bought your food and you know you paid whatever they said and and now i find myself i'm i'm sorry what did you say the total was and it's like wow this is this is this is good i i'm managing to uh keep under my you know my monthly grocery budget just barely um but it's it's really tough to do now it it really requires more and more effort to look for those discounts to be able to stick under that you know four hundred dollar a month grocery budget that i have for my wife and i yeah well you need to do is just enjoy yourselves be a little self-indulgent as the oxford dictionary will tell us as it's announced its 2022 word of the year Oxford Dictionary says the phrase goblin mode has been selected by online voters as its word of the year. As for what it means, Oxford defines the term as, quote, a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. First seen on Twitter in 2009, goblin mode gained popularity in 2022 as people around the world emerge with confusion from pandemic lockdowns. I'm Shelley Adler. Um, would you suggest for a moment that if you went over your budget and just bought the things you wanted, maybe chocolate or something obnoxious, you'd be in goblin mode or just gobbling mode? I, I am in 
goblin and gobbling mode more than I'd care to admit. Yeah. My friend, to be perfectly honest with you. But yeah, that that's that's a new one for sure. I, I don't think I've heard that up until now. Gobbling mode. Uh, that's their new word, you know? Maybe it's a typo there or something. <laughs> Folks, Brock and I will step aside for just a couple of moments. Major changes are coming to Ira, the smartphone app that connects blind explorers with sighted describers to learn about their surroundings. Michael Babcock, he has more in his Tech Talk in two minutes. Always love hearing from you folks. 1-866-509-4545. That's the magical number. You call it 1-866-509-4545. Mention it for Kelly and company. Any message you leave, we might even play it on the air. Of course, if you give us permission to do so. But we love hearing from you. So think about that, especially with this uh, last week of Kelly and company programming before we go into a bit of a hiatus. Feedback at AMI.ca. That's the email to send your messages to, ladies and gentlemen. We always love to hear what you may have to ask uh, specifically for our show, but there you can ask about AMI-TV, AMI-Tele, or AMI-Audio. Feedback at AMI.ca. On Twitter, at AMI-Audio. That's a great way to check in to see what's going on throughout the program and the broadcast day of AMI-Audio, or just to interact. That's at AMI-Audio on Twitter. Kelly McDonald with you today. Brock Richardson sitting in for Ramya Amuthan. We appreciate you wherever you're listening and joining us on the show. Joining us every Monday to talk all things tech, Michael Babcock. He's here now. Michael, good day. Hello. How are the two of you today? Uh, Loud and having fun. (laughs) That's always plus, especially when in audio, right? Oh, my goodness. Um, So let's deal with something here, Michael, before we get into the subject at hand, because it is tis the season, is December. Have you completed the Christmas wish list yet? My Christmas wish list or the oh, wish wow. list of Come other on. people who want me to buy stuff for them? Oh, That's no, two no. different you're, things. You're in that goblin mode. It's got to be your own wish list. You've got to be self-indulgent. <laughs> I, I I bought the software I've been looking at uh, over the last couple of months because I said, you know, chances are someone's not going to buy this for me. And I will admit we are, as of Saturday, done with Christmas shopping for the boys. Wow. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. So nothing changes yeah. there. Yeah. So now you can sit there and forever change your list and just keep mentioning, you know, what would be nice is, uh-huh. and also, gosh, I could really use that. That's the way you adjust uh-huh. your list yep. to any of the ears listening, right? Exactly. Anyone who's listening, you know, uh, I wouldn't mind this or that. <laughs> Brock heavily suggests that way, but I think he gets told, would you quit begging? Uh, Michael, Ira. I heard you got a new new phone for Christmas oh, or, yeah, or a holiday, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Even yeah. though he has to pay for it, that's still his holiday gift. That was that, Is that, your that was Christmas a self indulgent. No, that was a self-indulgent uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I actually, my wife finally, well, was able to get my uh, PS5 from two years ago that she promised me. For Christmas, and then she tried to say, "Well, I'm done with you for Christmas." No, no, no. I have a note here that says this from two years ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> she tried to double up on Christmases, Michael. Yeah, she she did. Ah, the gift that keeps giving. It's well, a I mean, two-year have you Christmas. Seen the prices of those? Oh, 
<laughs> yes. Yes, I have. Yeah, he tries not to look at it, especially since, you know, it's it's the wife saying, go on, get it. Go on, get it. He doesn't want the okay. Uh, sir, Ira, <laughs> let's talk about some of the changes that are going on over there. And all of us love how, you know, how busy these guys are with everything they do and, and keeping us in mind as to how to serve us better. Can you uh, review some of these changes that Ira has made? Yeah, so I got off of the show last week and went and grabbed a bite to eat. And then I went and checked my email and I got a very interesting email that was from Ira talking about the fact that they are going to be sunsetting legacy plans. And I'll come back to legacy plans because there was definitely some confusion. I was Mm. admittedly confused because I didn't realize I was on a legacy. Well, what they thought was a legacy plan Again, we'll get back to that. I saw the same email and it was confusing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then the following day, we received another email um, that was talking about the five-minute free offer. So a little bit of history. For people who don't know, Ira has offered a form of free minutes since, I believe it was uh, 2019 when they launched this for the first time. Yeah, it had to have been. Um, Maybe a little bit before then. And it used to stand that you could call, talk to someone for up to five minutes, end the call, call right back, talk to probably the same agent because of the way that their services worked, end the call, and continue doing that all day long. Well, that's not sustainable when you're running a business no. because you got to pay these people who are answering the calls. So they changed it to uh, five minutes every 24 hours for uh, non-paying customers and five minutes free for paying customers every four hours, which I thought was still fairly generous um, with with all the other offers that are available for free as well uh, for IRA Explorers. Uh, So this past Tuesday, they announced that effective today, uh, five minutes will only be free to non-paying customers every 48 hours. And five minutes will be free for paying customers every 12 hours. Uh, when I got the email on Monday, I called Demasi. I said, watch, the next thing that's going to happen is I was going to take away that five-minute free plan all the way. So um, I, 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 I have to admit they were a bit more generous than what I was expecting them to be. But uh, So that's how it will stand now. Price plans will change on January 17th, 2023. So weird to say 23. If you are on an existing uh, legacy plan, and they have a whole list of them at ira.io. If you select the news, uh, the newsroom option, there's a comparison guide. But the CCB, ACB, RNIB, or NFB plans, there's a couple other ones, are not a legacy plan. So you'll be able to keep that plan through December of 2023, and then you do have to change to a new plan. Um, But the new plans will be announced come, I believe they said January 3rd, 2023. You'll have until the 16th to make a decision or stay with the plan that you currently have if you're not on one of the truly legacy plans. And then uh, January 17th is when the new plans take effect. Wow. Somebody's really sat down to really analyze you know, where they need to sort out the, the, the loss. Because as you said, Michael, that's not sustaining the five minutes. We understand that. I think everybody assumed when that started, they're going to get enough people built up. But I, I think what starts to happen is they're, they've trained their people so well, they become so efficient that a lot of us could get mm-hmm. things done in that five minutes that we need, especially if you're raring to go and then using Be My Eyes or something else like that to complement it, you're off to the races. 
Yeah, definitely. And so what are your overall thoughts on these changes? Like, dislike? Um, I like it. I, I, I want Ira to be around for a while. And if you're not a sustainable business, then the chances are that you're not going to be around for a while. Yeah. Um, those who don't know, uh, full transparency, because I, I don't want to mislead anyone. I have taken advantage of some of the promotions that Ira has offered over the last year, including the Blind Shell uh, Classic 2 activation. I, I do resell that phone uh, with my current employer. So I did receive 200 free minutes. I am on the ACB plan, and so I pay 20 U.S. dollars for 30 minutes a month that currently I'm not using because I'm working my way through these free minutes that were applied first. But I, I still am glad that they've done this because of the fact that, again, you need to stay sustainable. And I use Ira quite regularly. I had an invoice today that I was processing an order for, and it took me probably, you know, 10, 15 minutes to try to do something with it, but it just wasn't the most accessible. So I just used the desktop app on, on uh, ira.io slash desktop slash app and called an agent up and I'm like, hey, how many of these are they sending us? She said seven. And that call literally took 30 seconds and I was able to process it. So for me, I'm, I'm, I don't want to see it go away at all. Yeah, for sure. So you'll continue obviously paying, supporting it, and and again, yes. despite your circumstance of having that uh, that free time. Yes, definitely. Even though I'm not using the minute I'm paying for, I will continue to pay for for supporting Ira. Okay, great. Some free Jaws scripts were released from Drew Weber last week. What do these scripts allow you to do? Yeah, this surprised me. I did not know Drew. So those who know Drew in the community, he's more of an audio guy. I didn't realize he did scripts, but that is pretty cool. Uh, he has made it so you can quickly launch a notepad with a quick keystroke. Uh, and then he's also made it so you can um, use a keystroke to, and you can get information about these on Drew Weber's website or the latest top tech tidbits. Uh, you can also press a keystroke that will perform the Shift F10 or Applications function if your computer doesn't have an Applications key. Um, so you, uh, that one's Control-Shift-A, if I remember right, uh, which will allow you to right-click things really quickly. So uh, just little scripts that make life a little bit easier. So let's go move over to what uh, Brian Hargen has announced. And this is some of the new features to come to his Leasy version 8. What can Leasy users expect to receive? Leasy users will get, uh, and I'll, I'll go over two of these features real quick, um, more information to come in January when these are released. It is a paid upgrade. If you are on Leasy 7, go to Brian's website to get more information about that. But a simplified start menu, which will allow you to uh, go through and, and choose what you want. If you want to open Zoom, if you want to open Calculator, shut your computer down. It's, it's just a quick list view that's available to both basic and advanced users. And then one of the things that they're releasing that I thought was kind of cool is uh, restore to factory settings, uh, factory uh, default, because sometimes you make changes to these scripts or to these the way these work, and then you're like, that's not working like the demo he's doing is explaining, and you forgot that you made changes. So there's that option. And then you can assign quick paths to different things, such as folders that are deep inside your Dropbox or Google Drive, and then you can uh, give them a letter, drive letter names to be able to quickly jump to them as well. You changed to a voiceover caster a couple of months ago. What is this device? 
Yeah, so this is the VO caster, and it stands. It, it is for voiceover. I have a friend who actually bought one too, and for the longest time, he didn't understand why there were some challenges with a couple of things that we may talk about shortly. He said, "But they created it for voiceover users." And I'm like, "No, no, it's for voiceover artists, not not voiceover users." Um, and so that did add a little bit of confusion. But this is an audio interface that allows you to plug in an XLR microphone and or your phone to it, and then you plug it into your computer and you can bring that audio in. And it's got two knobs and three buttons on the model that I have, so it's definitely not complicated at all. Wow, that's amazing. What does a basic setup look like? Yeah, so you have your XLR port on the back left corner of it, the TRRS uh, connection, which just means you need to plug in a phone to that, is uh, in to the right of that. There's a phantom power button between those two ports, and then there's two uh, eighth. I'm sorry, two quarter inch output jacks that you can plug an external speaker into. There's a camera uh, port on the back to the right of those two outputs that you can plug into, and then there's the USB port and the button um, that you use to uh, power the device. There's two knobs on the top of it and three buttons on the top front uh, going from left to right is auto gain. So it'll automatically set your gain on your microphone. The middle button is a preset EQ button and the right button is a mute slash unmute button that allows you to quickly mute yourself. Very cool. Uh, Demasi recorded an audio to help you get, uh, able to set up with your Mac. Can you explain the problem that the two of you ran into and how you solved it? We are a bit short on time, so if we could make this a little quick, that would be appreciated. Yep, I'll, I'll do it real quick. For the longest time, if you went into a Zoom meeting, you were talking, uh, the Zoom participants would hear voiceover. So Demasi used Loopback from Merogamiga and helped me with figuring out what channels I needed to map from my microphone and what channels to exclude so voiceover isn't heard. So uh, there is a way to get that fixed if you are using the VO caster. Uh, iOS released a new feature for iOS so that people can use their device uh, when it comes to uh, microphone or camera. What do you need? Yeah, so if you have the latest Ventura and iOS 16, uh, you can actually and you're signed into iCloud on both devices. You can choose your phone from the dropdown for video and Zoom or for the microphone and Zoom and other applications, and it just works. No given permissions or anything. You just choose that, and all of a sudden, you've got a decent video camera or you have a fairly decent microphone as well. Absolutely amazing. Michael, fantastic work. Thank you kindly. We'll see you on the other side in the new year. Likewise. I'll talk to you guys next year. Have a great show. Thanks, pal. Merry Christmas. Coming up next, Brock Richardson, right over there. He's getting ready. Let's put him to work, folks. Sports chat in a moment. Seen and Not Heard is a podcast series that will be airing here on AMI-audio December 17th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Carolyn Minks is the author and star of this podcast series. The fictional story is about a young woman named Beth who lost a significant amount of her vision in her late teens. 
She's adjusting to life with a disability. From her struggles with struggles with romance, her parents, learning ASL, and dealing with day-to-day life. Seen and Not Heard offers a glimpse into her life following the presentation of the series, folks. Please stay tuned for an interview uh, that Jacob Shemansky does with Caroline Minx. Seen and Not Heard on AMI-audio, Saturday, December 17th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Okay, folks, let's jump into a little sports talk as Brock and I rejoin you here on the program. Lead-off item, sir. Let's jump into that first of all. I think you've got some interesting news. I do have some interesting news. And for those of you that don't know, today marks the beginning of the winter meetings for baseball. One of the biggest pieces of news that has come out is that Justin Verlander, formerly of the Houston Astros, and yes, I said formerly on purpose, is now going to the New York Mets for $38 million. He is very, very close to his 40s and will be over 40 by the time this contract expires. Wow. What do you think of this? Um, Every time I think of Justin Verlander, I think Iron Man. I think, like, the guy is just, he could just pitch forever, kind of in the same sort of category as Tom Brady, although I don't mean to put you know, baseball and football in the same category whatsoever. But it's just at some point we're going to see the end of Justin Verlander, and it's obviously not going to be for a couple more seasons. But I would wonder if after this contract uh, with being 41 years of age-ish, if we see that as being the end of the era there. But but hey, credit to him. He just keeps doing it, Cy Young after Cy Young, and hey, you never know. I smile when I think of, especially with us just losing Gaylord Perry, um, someone who played baseball for years. And you think about how frustrated we get. 100 pitches, out of the game. Come on, you're done. Yeah, but I've almost got a perfect game. Out you go. Uh, We really get frustrated at this, Brock. And, you know, when I started watching baseball, uh, you know, often if your team had a significant lead, the pitcher stayed in through the eighth inning, and in the ninth, somebody else came on board. So... Yeah. I would love to see those days. I know we're going to say that, well, what about their arms? The pitch, do they fall off? And we know that as a lot of that is the way people pitch. There's different things now. Plus, as some will say, the, the pitchers are babied. So I, I think this guy can hang around. I'm sure he can get another contract if he chooses to stay around baseball and, and do that. Uh, anything else in your leadoff you want to get into? Yes. So I would like to also get into putting a wrap on the Para Hockey Cup. Uh, the gold medal game was between... Canada and the United States, as expected. Uh, the bronze medal game was between Czechia and Italy. Czechia wins that game, going away nine to nothing. I, you know, um, Italy really just kind of ran out of gas. They really put together a really good round robin game against Czechia, um, but then they just kind of ran out of gas, and and that was the end of that. Um, but then in the gold medal game, here's where things get a bit odd well not odd because we've seen this for a while now um in that canada loses to the united states five to one uh this marks the uh 13th straight time that they have lost to the united states going back to the round robins in in the event's history nine years since they've won the gold medal i have some very deep concerns relating to the national program in canada I think that um, Brody Brody Roybal and Declan Farmer of the United States 
have really set themselves up to put United States in a real good position. And they are individuals who are amputees, who are very fast. And United States seems to have this ability to, you know, build their depth and do a better job with depth. And I just think Canada has trouble with this in in building it into the grassroots. And I see this problem um, persisting for at least this cycle. I'm watching this tournament. Unless things drastically change, because everyone's saying this Canadian team's going to stay together. And if they do, I just think the United States is really no match uh, for Canada. So uh, disappointing results. I hope that I'm wrong in this, but just my eyes tell me what they tell me. And, you know, I've got to be honest in situations like this. And that's just my honest report. Canada learn anything? Canada to be able to do anything about this? Can we? Can they view this as a success for Canada? Uh, they seem to want to view this as a success for Canada. They have a new coach. The coach uh, did something where um, he pulled the goalie in a in a five nothing game, and they ended up getting the one goal. There seemed to be quite a celebration in that this team will grow together. Will will do great things. Um, but I I just I, I look at this and I go, yeah. What are you looking at? Like, are, are, I'm not sure. And the credit we have to give credit to the United States and say this is what they're doing. It's the grassroots. It's where they're getting people from. They're getting people who have been part of the armies, the navies, those kind of things. Who who are coming off of situations that aren't neurological disabilities that don't have effect on your upper body. Whereas Canada, they do have athletes that have both effect on their upper body. And I just, it's, it's challenging. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, we, we know obviously what goes on. Like, I mean, what you, what I took away from this is, yeah, what you said, Canada, not being a match at this time for the U S maybe adjustments made, maybe not. But what I really do like Brock is when you see Czechia and, and, and Italy, like it's, Really great to see the sport expand and and the importance around the world. Yeah, it is, and and those that round robin game between Czechia and Italy was two two uh, going into the last little bit of the the third period, and and it was a really wonderful game. And Italy has something to be proud of. Yes, tired stamina was a whole thing. That's all well and good, but I, Italy has something to be proud of, and the the sport as a whole has something to be proud of beyond. Canada and the United States. Fantastic. Uh, Kelly, I have something really cool to share with you. And this was uh, brought to me by uh, Catherine Batcher, who loves to find uh, unique things within the sports world. But um, California School for the Deaf Riverside football team recently won their school championship with a 12-0 and record and became the first ever deaf football team to win the championship. It must be said, however, that the, these gentlemen competed against individuals who were completely able-bodied with no effects on them whatsoever. So for me, this is a really, really cool thing that they did. So, you know, I think about the loudness at so many of the NFL stadiums, particularly we saw what they used to do in Seattle and try to do the silent signals, as they called it. And my goodness, when you think about a team like this achieving, because, of course, hey, you can be fit, you can have a hearing impairment or be deaf uh, and, and still achieve the same things. But I think, you know, we're surprised because 
you, you you think about communications. You imagine being that other team trying to figure out what are they doing next. Like you know, we we can't pick up on anything they're doing unless maybe we know sign or whatever <laughs> sign they're and, using that they've adapted for this. And it's something totally unique. What do you what do you watch in a football game? You you watch quarterbacks call a play at the line and yell this color and that color and whatever else they yell. And sometimes it's just tomfoolery to be perfectly honest with you for sure it is but yeah you you cannot you cannot understand what it is these individuals are are calling because there is no audible noise uh being made and all of the staff were all uh hearing impaired and deaf and so for me the thing that stands out in all this kelly is not the fact that they won the championship it's how they won the championship it's one thing to sit here and say well you know, you can you can win against people with likability of your own or, or like skill, but but these individuals had such a different uh, advantage. I'm going to say because to me, I do believe there's an advantage when you're not having any anything audible that that's being yelled on the field. And to me, I believe that that caught teams by surprise. And I'm not trying to say that you know that's. That's all it was. I think the skill's there, obviously. But when you can catch a team by surprise and go, hey, what's happening? They're running circles around us. So very, very cool um, to mention. And I wanted to bring this to you uh, today. Uh, I want to also ask you, we've got a fun fact for you. And I'm going to put your brain to the test. But here's the, the question. Who is the only player to ever get unanimously voted in to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Do you know who it is? I have heard. Don't think I remember. I'm trying to think about it on a level of, I want to say Lou Gehrig. Nope. No. What if I told you, what if I told you uh, pinstripes? Um, yeah, that's what Relatively I recent. Relatively recent. Oh, no. No, that's too. Um, I should let's know my try, New York Yankees let, enough. Let, what position? Let's try. Let's try this closer. Oh, well, of course. Sorry, um, I know who I mean, but I don't remember la- the name. But the most famous closer of the last twenty years for yes, the Yankees, yeah, um, Mar- Mar- Mariano Rivera. That's right, Rivera. Is, that's exactly it. But and I didn't so, know anonymously, I don't think I did know that. And so, for those of you that are wondering. What about Ken Griffey Jr.? Well, Ken Griffey Jr. had three people out of 440 say no uh, to voting him in. So, so Mariano Rivera becomes the first player to be unanimously voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. You always wonder how come, what issues, or is someone just swimming against the tide? Um, former Miami Marlins manager Don Mattingly has been hired on as the bench coach for our Toronto Blue Jays. What are your thoughts on this piece of news? Well, my first thought is I was puzzled. And then I I got to talking on the morning show with with Dave, and he brought up a point to me that I, I didn't think about. The point is, is that we've seen this team have a bit of too much fun. We've seen the the home run jackets, let's all run out and jump out of the dugout and be happy when we hit a home run. And it doesn't matter whether we lose the game 12-11, we'll be happy for a home run. 
for me, Don Mattingly brings that that sandpaper that we're here to win. We're here to do this the 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 right way. Now, of course, Don Mattingly has said, "I'm not here to change anything. I'm here to be an addition to the team." But as we've heard all through the off season and all through the things that have gone right and wrong and indifferent with this team, they need a winning way and a winning way to do this. And I think that this is the reason for the signing. But initially, Kelly, I was really puzzled. Uh, not puzzled at this end. The American League East connection Don Mattingly would have. He's always liked Toronto. But Don Mattingly coming out of the stink of Miami and issues over there, he needs that year to sit back, kind of lay in the weeds, has some success with a team that he potentially knows uh, could have some success. He's familiar enough with the team itself. And, and I think he needs that year of recharging maybe two years before he decides to go elsewhere Um, and staying in the American League East. Maybe there's some other agenda he has being close to those teams again Um, and and the success of, of, you know, being with the Jays. I really think he feels, and and again, Brock, going to the fact that we do need the older voice, we may need that person who the guys look at and say, hey, sometimes that goes sideways, but kind of anxious to see him a part of this team. Before we run out of time here on this segment, tell us what's coming up today on the Neutral Zone. What have you uh, produced and programmed for us? Peter Leiser, the executive director of Bocce Canada, will be joining us. I did do some on-site interviews, which unfortunately didn't uh, pan out at the National Bocce Championships. So we're bringing that, those conversations to you in the right form. So that's what's coming up. Uh, when I finish this program, we will be recording The Neutral Zone. Neutral Zone heard here on AMI-audio, 11 a.m. Tuesday mornings, also available as a podcast and a YouTube project as well. You can find it there. So check it out tomorrow after, I'd say, noon on any of the mediums or join them right here on AMI-audio at 11 a.m. Up next on our AMI-update, we chat with Double Tap host Mark Aflalo about what we can expect from Double Tap for the holidays. We'll get into that after this. Brock Richardson, Kelly McDonald, hosting Kelly and Company today on your Monday edition of the program. Thank you for being with us. Wherever you're listening and around the world, maybe you're checking us out over there at AMI.ca where you can live stream AMI-audio. Maybe you've got us through TuneIn Radio or OOTunes. Whichever way you're listening in, if you have uh, downloaded either of those great apps to your smart device, then that way you can take us with you. But no matter how you're listening in, we appreciate you being with us. Well, there's always something new going around here at AMI. That's for sure. Always lots to talk about, always things happening. And we try to do our best to keep you posted on new content initiatives that are out there. So let's take some time today to talk with uh, Double Tap host, Mark Aflalo, the nicer of the Aflalo brothers, as we've mentioned before on this uh, program, of course. Um, <laughs> Uh, meaning his um, troublesome brother, Paul. But anyway, we miss Paul anyway. Anyway, I digress. Mark, let's get into a little conversation about your upcoming holiday shows and uh, how you might be able to stash some tech under the tree 
with the holiday giveaway that you guys are involved in. Welcome back to the show, man. What are you talking about here? I, you're, you're, what are you talking about, Kelly? No, we've got, some, we've got some fun stuff lined up for the holidays. We do this every year towards the end of the year. It's our way to kind of lean back, relax, and do a couple, a couple different things. We, we've got our, our holiday gift guide that's coming up um, where we give people, you know, everybody has that hard to shop for person in your list, right? That person that goes out and buys everything for themselves anyway, kind of like me. I was just going to say. you need ideas for those people. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm a perfect example. It's it's really, I do this show so that my family can listen and get those ideas. It, it's a completely selfish agenda here, but we, we've got it going. Yeah. But, but uh, we that's one of those reasons that we do the holiday gift guide. Uh, but one of the cool things that we're doing this year in the holiday gift guide is, uh, as, as you mentioned, and I've been teasing for the past couple of weeks, we've got like a stash. I've got a table full of stuff behind me. And Stephen will joke that it's just stuff that I just don't want anymore. But no, no, this is like sealed stuff <laughs> that people have sent to me. And they said, you got to give this away. You got to give this away to the audience. And uh, and I'm going to tell you guys for the first time, don't tell Stephen or anybody else that I told you. No one else is listening, right? Okay. Oh, well, no, it's absolutely AMI.ca. AMI.ca slash double tap. There's a tab right there on the page that says gift guide giveaway. And if you click that tab, you will not only see the list of everything, you'll actually see a cool video that we talked about promoting. We talked about the the smart outdoor plug we have, the Belkin iPhone mounts, the Huawei smart iPhone protectors, uh, noise canceling headphones, camera. Really cool. Oh. Adding to that list as we near the actual holidays. And really easy to get in. Get in. You just you, you type your name and your email address. That's it. Wow. That's all you got to do. I mean, I do hope you also follow us on social media so that you can find out if you win or you know find out what other things we might add to the list. But that, it's that easy. Wow. Well, I'm going to help you with the uh, closet cleanup. I, I mean, the legitimacy of all these gifts, mm-hmm. since we know they're already packaged, they're ready to go, and they're really the stuff sent to you that, uh, hey, you know what, we'll give us a mention on air and give these away to, to the wonderful listeners that you guys have as you talk up the products. But Mark, that that comes from yourselves being very into testing the work that you do. I, I think I think people would really be curious to know about that work. I mean, between yourself, Steve, and Sean, all you guys doing this fantastic work on these programs and the connections you're making so that you can share that knowledge of the, the products, that's what really does it and gets that, hey, man, guys, thank you. Give this away to someone. Well, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of nurturing some people out there and trying to convince them that there's a reason to come on our show. And uh, and we we like giving back, and that's why we don't mind you know you know talking about different companies and stuff like that. Out there, you know, Stephen and I have this motto, and I've had this motto for many years, is that we you know we're not out we're we're pretty straightforward when we talk about products and stuff that we review. We're we're not out there to bash things. We're not out there to just get something on that we know we're not going to like. We really do reach out to companies that make products and services that we enjoy. Because if we're not going to legitimately like something, then we're not going to, we're just not going to have the passion about it that some other people might have. That being said, we're also extremely impartial about it. You know, Sean Priest was on a couple of weeks ago talking about the ARX Vision headsets and the downfalls. But we also presented the the opposite opinion directly from the company and gave him an opportunity to kind of retort at some of those complaints that Sean had. So it's really about trying to give some kind of impartial point of view, but also the point of view of someone, you know, from, from my side. Uh, but then, of course, the, the point of view from the accessibility side with Stephen yeah. and everybody else that comes on the show. And and that's what's interesting about Double Tap and just the whole process in general, excuse me, is that, um, you know, we do look at things differently. It's not just about 
okay, this is a great phone. What are the great features there? It's like, how does somebody with some kind of disability um, use this device and how does it benefit their lives? And if we can tell it, you know, tell the story through their eyes, you know, with quotey fingers out there or, or their point of view, it helps me learn things because I learn each and every single week, I'll tell you. But it helps everybody who's paying attention to the show, whether it's in podcast or whether it's on TV, learn something new about the companies and the products that we talk about. Well, and if people are thinking of getting something for someone, this is such a helpful guide to those people who just say, I don't know, but yet, uh, you know, my, my husband's newly blind. What could he use? Mark, what do you guys have on deck for holiday programming this year? So we've got the gift guide. So that's coming up. Not this week. It's going to come up the, the following week. Um, following that, we've got our Ask Us Anything episode. This is a shameless opportunity to empty the mailbag. We get so many emails and so many tweets and so many people reaching out. Um, we actually even even put a call out and said, hey, if you got any videos or questions, let us know. So we're going to talk to the audience. We're going to play some questions they had, bring in some cool guests we've had throughout the year to actually answer some of those questions because they're obviously uh, more experts than we are in some cases. And then our last show of the year is going to be really kind of, we call it the best of Double Tap in 2022, but it's really our favorite moments. It's an opportunity to look back and say, these were some of the really cool highlights, whether it's a guest or a product that we talked about. And uh, Sean Priest is with us on the TV show for that one. And we're talking all about the stuff that we enjoyed for the past year. And it's our way to kind of give back and help people flash back. And another little tidbit that I haven't told anybody either, Kelly, I'm just going to tell them right here, a little secret between us three, okay? All right. Um, you know, we have we have got the YouTube channel, right? We got youtube.com slash double tap on air. Well, right now, the way we do it is we post the individual segments from the show. But season three isn't on that YouTube channel. I'm going to be posting all of season three on that YouTube channel. So during the holidays, if you want to binge on some older episodes, you can wow. do that there as well. Again, don't tell anybody. Okay. No, man, that's nice. Brock. Shh. Yeah, I'll keep it to myself. I promise. It's really hard to do. Thanks. Uh, Appreciate that. You. you you just sort of mentioned it, but I am curious to know, for yourself, do you have any, like, favorite memories that kind of stand out from the year that you could highlight, even though you said you're going to do a whole episode on that? But for you, as you look back on the whole year, how would you categorize it, and what were some of the favorites? You know, I, I think the favorite has got to be the conversation around this whole metaverse and Web 3.0 and what it means for accessibility. Because I think it's one of these um, kind of hidden gems when it comes to accessibility, this idea of using spatial audio in a very, very new way and allowing people who may not be able to see what's going on, be able to hear what's going on. And the reason that excites me is because not only have we had really cool guests like uh, our favorite Chris Matthew, who's just a, an incredible, he really breaks down this whole metaverse concept in plain English. But also because of my audio background, you know, I love producing audio. That's, you know, my passion in life. And being able to do it in a in a very uh, in a spatial way, in a way that really gives people that whole, they, you know, they call it when you produce radio, it's all about the the image that's in your head. If you can close your eyes and picture everything that's going on, then you've you've done your job. And I love doing that. So when it comes to using that technology in new ways, that really kind of blows my mind. And the other stuff is really, honestly, this you know, it's hard for me to. I'm not going to name favorites here, but I I love talking to Microsoft about all the stuff they're doing around accessibility every week there's something new that they're doing and it, it's so cool to talk to the people because it's never the same person it's always something different at that company and there's so many that shows you how many people are involved when it comes to you know proliferating accessibility and making sure that it's on the forefront i just love having that conversation we've got episodes coming up with microsoft but there were some really cool ones especially with with dave dame um who's been pioneering some stuff at microsoft over the past year 
It makes you really get amazed because the, not long ago, we just dreamed, all those of us in the disability world, saying, gosh, I wish we were on the radar for these companies so they'd know now we are. Um, but with that mentioned, uh, next year, what can we look forward to on Double Tap? Oh, my God. We've got so much stuff lined up. It's not even funny. I mean, we don't stop like just because there's a holiday coming up. I'm working on episodes for January, February right now. We're going to kick off the year with an episode that we're calling Future Trends to Look Out For in 2023. This is a great opportunity. We're going to get a great great guest on. His name is Dan Ackerman. He writes a lot of stuff for CNET. He's on CNBC. He's going to help us look ahead to the year and say, what is this year going to bring us in tech, which is pretty cool. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Lutron's smart home and how they're accidentally making homes more accessible. We've got our CES special lined up for the, uh, the, the last week in January. That's a one-hour special where we talk to as many companies as we can cram into a one-hour uh, conversation. The Microsoft Tech Accelerator is one that's coming up. Um, accessible dating apps, really, really cool stuff. And we're gonna we're actually gonna meet some interesting people as well and tell you their story about um, when they lost their vision and how they leaned on technology to make their lives easier and what technology that was about. So that's gonna be interesting as well. The thing I love about Double Tap in general is the fact that you can get them on talking about anything and everything at any point. It's always fun. Uh, where can people go to help, you know, get the word out there, share some ideas? Can you remind us of that again? Of course. I mean, I'm the first place I tell you to go. I mean, if you go to doubletaponair.com, you'll be able to find the podcast, of course, on AMI-audio. You'll be able to find the TV show uh, on YouTube. Everything's at Double Tap On Air on social media and everything. We've uniformed that all season long so people can find one place to go. And, of course, on AMI's website, we're right there front and center, but it's ami.ca slash double tap, including that giveaway, which is now, I guess, on, I guess, the cat's out of the bag. People do listen to the show, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the rumor anyway. I think sometimes they say that just to appease, you know. But, um, Mark, wonderful for you guys. Good luck. Have a great uh, 2023 as you guys do. And just keep having fun because that's the, the most enjoyable part of the program as far as I'm concerned. Hearing you guys have fun makes us have fun. Thanks a lot. My pleasure, Kelly. It's always fun to chat with you. And Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you, sir. Mark Aflalo, host of Double Tap on AMI-TV and on AMI-audio. We appreciate you being here, folks, and uh, joining us for the highlights here at AMI. Coming up in the next hour of the program, we're going to talk with uh, Ginny Sweet from CNIB Smart Life as we wrap up 2022. On Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin, we discussed the inquiry into the Canadian government's use of the Emergencies Act last year with Kara Sweevil, a director of uh, <clears throat> Fundamentals Freedoms Program for the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. But up next, our committee reporter Kim Kilpatrick joins us with news from Ottawa, Ontario. Right here on AMI-audio this Thursday, catch the pulse of 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time. This week, Joita talks with a group of artists about the Suitcase Stories Project, which explores the lived experience of people with intellectual and development... Excuse me, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time here on AMI-audio and, of course, available on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Kelly McDonald here hosting the program as we begin the second hour. And the guy over there, Brock Richardson. It's uh, time to check in with one of our 
community reporters. And this is one of my favorite segments because I get to live vicariously through anyone that comes with the different events that they bring. And today we're going to talk to Kim Kilpatrick from Ottawa, Ontario. Kim, how are you? Fine. How are you guys? Pretty well, thanks. Uh, Your first topic here is an update on a play with touch tour with Great Canadian Theatre Company in Ottawa, which took place in November. Yeah, so Kelly, you might remember, or Brock, you might remember too, in the summer that we had a touch tour with Company of Fools that was before a play that they had. And so GCTC, um, the the set designer who designed that set, designed the set for Great Canadian Theatre Company, and they approached us to say, would you like another one for this play that they had? at GCTC. So we're trying to ramp up to having live described performances. We we would really like that, but uh, for now we don't have that. But uh, we said, of course, we would love that. And I was unfortunately not able to go on the day that they, they could do it because I was storytelling somewhere else. But uh, they did have a pre-show touch tour of the stage and some of the um, artifacts and they like some of the props and they had also a discussion little discussion about what was going to happen in the play and then they saw the play and everybody that went said that they really enjoyed that and so GCTC has kind of opened up the door to say they'd like to do it with more of their more of their plays so i guess Kelly you know how long we've been trying to do stuff like that here but we're sort of cracking the door open a little bit so i'm 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 quite excited that now they're starting to think more about our accessibility, you know, concerns about, because they have other accessibility things there. They have relaxed performances and they have ASL at times and they just don't have uh, things for us really. And so it's nice to have the door sort of cracking open. And they did also say they'd like to work some more on some stuff with the upcoming um equivalent of the Winter Fringe Festival, which is here is nice. called Undercurrents and yeah. uh, and some other theaters. So it's just it's not fully what we would like, but it's it's more um it's more than we had. So, yeah, and, and uh, I, I think for, for organizations, for theater troops, for anyone trying to do something with accessibility and, and this is I I I don't know where to say the message comes from because I know certainly when you try something, it's, oh, man, that was a terrible experience. You know, we're very quick to kind of note that or, hey, that was a wonderful experience. I I feel sometimes there's that hesitation always longer than there needs to be because people want to get it right. And sometimes we miss a show or two or three because, well, we want it to be perfect. Yeah, but you you won't be perfect for what Kim needs is going to be different than me. And what they said in the summer and what they said this time, too, was, well, that was easy. Like, that was no problem, you know? Like, we yeah. just have to arrange it. And, and, and so they were quite, they, they loved doing it. And they also liked, you know, the fact that it didn't cost really anything. It's just a bit of time that people spent with us, you know, to check out the things. And, yeah. and, and um, Kim, so we, you know, it, people it, also need yeah. to stop and think. When, for a touch tour, just, I'll just use that as an example. Not description, not, a, you know, audio description. But... Do you do it before or after without it messing up the play, without it be, where the impact for you, the person enjoying it, is going to be the most? Maybe in your ear, a description is fine, but afterward might be better because there's so many unique, strange things that were going on in it that you say, oh, wow. Where maybe if you saw it before the play, 
it doesn't lend itself as much to or doesn't have the impact that being able to go and see some of those props afterward. And I think some, I mean, generally most of us would say, oh, I want to know what stuff is like beforehand. Okay, okay, to a point. But I also know there's certain applications where after might wear, but you're going to make those mistakes, rolling stuff out, trying, and even 20 years doing it, you're still going to, for somebody, they're going to say, it wasn't as great for me, that experience. And that's okay. And we talked about doing it after too. Like we did talk about that, but um, they, they let us, they let them on the stage before and, and then just briefly, and then they took them out in another room and showed the props there. Yeah. So it was kind of a combination, but I agree, you know, you don't want to disrupt the, what's going on. But and, also, and it will vary. It will vary. It, it will vary indeed, yeah. but it was, it was good. I was, I'm sorry I missed it, but I, I was already booked, so I couldn't go. I had to go storytelling. Okay, well, we'll play that. Sort of, well, go ahead, bro. My sort of view on it with the whole when do you do this, like at what point do you put this touch stuff to, to do, what, where does it fit best? For me, what I look at is if I do it before, I may lose out on some context of something where I may say, well, I don't know where this was used. Whereas after you, you have the, the full picture and then you get the real like, oh, this is what they were talking about in this moment and that moment and so on and so forth. I feel like before, you may lose just a touch of the context that you might not have had. Maybe, yeah. I've seen it both ways and I, I'm okay with it both ways. But, but, but I know, I know, like, you know, you have to balance the needs of the, the theater company with your needs with everybody anyway. So, yeah, yeah it was good, For though, sure. apparently. Uh, we'll put it up on the blog, ami.ca slash Kelly Co. Uh, your second item, let's talk about, and this is, I'm glad you're bringing this, Kim, to the table because, unfortunately, a lot of time with the holidays, everything gets kind of jumbled up and World Braille Day is upon us before we realize it. Do you want to talk about some of the events? Well, Kelly, I want to tell you about the event that I'm helping with because it's who I'm most excited about. <laughs> but definitely so. World Braille Day is going to be coming up a month long of um, World Braille Day events in January. So the whole month of January, there'll be different workshops. And I put up the link. It's quite long, so I won't say it as to how to register for these events and um, and how to partake in them. But the one that I'm helping with, uh, which I might not be a surprise to you, we've called a celebration, and it is on the 21st of January, a Saturday, where people submit um, entries about Braille, so songs or poems or recitations or little, little, um, uh, it has to be no longer than three minutes, little short stories, little Scenes about Braille. So, Kelly, if you do want to do it, you can come. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can submit them recorded, and then we're not going to perform them live. People are going to submit them recorded. And and um, Natalie Martiniello, who used to be president of BLC, and I are going to host that, and we are going to play as many as we can of these wonderful entries that that celebrate Braille, our celebration, and I think it'll be <laughs> I think it'll be great. Um, and also, there's going to be some door prizes there that are pretty good, and all, you can only get those if you have put in an entry to the contest. It's not really a contest, you know. It's a it's a celebration. So, like, I'm excited about that. But they're they're all really good. Like, the, there's a workshop, a French one. There's one geared towards um, yeah, post secondary students and teachers. There's another one for uh, a month-long activities for K-12, to and there's another one for people that are just scared to learn Braille, and they're thinking maybe it's too hard. So it's 
there's something for everyone in this whole um, batch of events, and it's uh, CCB uh, is helping with it as well as NELS and SILA and um, oh, I'm going to forget P PRCVI and Braille Literacy Canada, sort of we're all on a committee to organize. Again, this is the third annual uh, World Braille Day event. And so it's always a lot of fun, and it's nice to have in the middle of the winter in January when it's so miserable outside. Oh, my goodness. I'm just excited about the celebration. I'm very excited about Wow, that. those stories are going to be really interesting because there you'll get a variety from the triumphs, from the, the pain of learning, from the funny sides of it, and stretching your fingers when I was doing yeah. Braille music, trying to figure out how to right-handed and left-hand read, or vice versa, my, my Braille oh, music. There um, you go, Kelly. You got one on the go there. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Kim, it, sorry, is it too long, did you say, to tell people where you want these submissions sent? Should they just go there? Oh, and just... um, the link is there, but you can we'll put it email up on, yeah. Braille. You can email to, to submit something, email Braille at nmels.ca. So Braille okay. at nels.ca. But the link to the, all the events and the registration, that's kind of long, so I won't, I won't okay. put that. I won't inflict that on you. <laughs> and for your final topic quite fitting holiday season events are around the corner in the ottawa area could you highlight some of them for us please well one of the things i love about doing this report is i find out things i never knew before so i did a search for holiday events and you know we do our own thing we get in our ruts you know we do the things that we do and i ended up at ottawa tourism site so ottawatourism.ca and then there's a, another sort of longer link about holiday season events. And I was shocked at all of the things that there are from everything from sort of uh, light, light shows or lighting up things or tours of villages and tours of this and that and all kinds of music concerts and events and theater events. So it's, it's quite amazing. And I thought, you know, people in your city, wherever you are, if you're listening somewhere else, you should look up what's on because we get into our things, oh, I'm just going to go and do that because I've always done that or I'm going to watch, stay home and do nothing because we've had so long of COVID and I'm not going to do it. So it just shook me up a little bit to think, wow, is there ever a lot going on? And I circled some things, some music concerts and some things that, you know, that might be interesting to me. Obviously, lighting up the trees and that, I don't get anything out of that myself, so I wouldn't necessarily go to that. But it, it just always amazes me when I go looking for something that there's way more in our communities than we ever knew about. So I'm always excited when I come across uh, this type of page. But there's tons of stuff on here, so if someone's visiting Ottawa or... Um, lives in your own community and want to just do a search on your tourism sites for what's what's on, you'll find a lot of things. I was yeah. I was quite shocked by all of all of it. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I totally understand that, Kim. Thank you so much, and we'll put all the stuff up thank on the blog. Guys. Thank you. Ami.ca/slash Kellyco is where you can get that information and go check out the report. All right, folks, we'll be uh, stepping aside for just a couple of moments here. It's time, though, for our Gear and CNIB Smart Life segment with uh, Jenny Sweet. Uh, when we wrap up and take a little bit look at what might be around, what's available, what's going on uh, as we come to the end of the year. Next.
Welcome back to the program. Brock Richardson, Kelly McDonald, host of the show. We had Mark Aflalo on earlier. Uh, of course, the Double Tap gang has some great stuff being giveaway. You can you can check that out via those guys and keep listening to their show. And we didn't get a chance to say it's at noon Eastern time right here on AMI-audio. So since you, Brock, got your present from two years ago this year, what do you ask for for Christmas? Like, I mean, that's a big ticket item. <clears throat> So do you actually have the nerve to say, okay, this year for Christmas, I would like, or do you expect a, what? No. <laughs> no, it's um, it's in addition to what I got. I need, well, I shouldn't say I need. I would like more games attached to the system that I received. So uh, that's on the wish list. There was a couple that weren't there when I uh, purchased it. So that's kind of, it's an add-on. Um, Again, this year, plus I'm uh, going to the Briar again, which is in London, Ontario. So um, my wife is graciously contributing to that uh-huh. as well. <laughs> there, he's got the plan. He knows what he wants. And it just sort of falls into play. Oh, actually, now that we got that, could I get some games? Uh-huh. Awesome, sir. Awesome. <laughs> well, it's always nice to find out what's going on, ladies and gentlemen. And I know at this time of the year, and uh, you know, you're saying, hey, have a good Christmas season. We'll catch you next year. But it's always great to look back and see how the year's been and see what's going on. It's time for our year-end CNIB Smart Life segment with Jenny Sweet as we welcome her in and we talk about, well, wrapping up 2022. Uh, welcome back uh, to the show or welcome to the show. Uh, I understand that CNIB Smart Life continues to grow Every darn time we chat with one of you guys, <laughs> welcome and what's new with the smart life? Thank you so much, and thank you for the opportunity to come on and talk about smart life. This is my first time on the show, so it's lovely to meet everybody. Uh, there's been a lot going on this year with smart life, but to start off with, we've we're continuing to grow um, our support channels within smart life. So we have recently. Added, added an additional layer of support. Uh, we have three head coaches like myself across Atlanta, across Canada to help improve the experience for clients coming in to access programs and services at Smart Life. So we have somebody located in Western Canada. We have a Central Canada staff. And we have myself covering the Atlantic region. So this will allow us to provide additional opportunities to our coaches with having these local and national resources so that they can develop additional technology services and really improve the experience to our community and make it a better experience. Very cool. And so how are you continuing to support your clients that may not have the time or the ability to connect directly with your coaches at Smart Life. Yeah, and especially out here in Atlantic Canada and some of the Western regions, that can definitely be tricky because of geography. So our Tech at Home program is still going strong. Even Richie and Kathleen Delay were featured on your show in the past when the program debuted. So that program has continued to grow. Um, the ability to demo desired devices in the comfort of your own home is something that people have found invaluable. The feedback from participants has been wonderful, and we are continuing to grow and expand 
offerings of devices via this program. So anyone interested in taking part in that program can simply call into our contact center. And the number is 1-866-659-1843 or visit us online at cnibsmartlife.ca. Wow. I love it because, yeah. Jenny, we see the changes, right? You're for, you guys coming on to do the coaching, to, to kind of be able to work and know your regions, know what people need. I mean, we know that if someone, if I buy something and, hey, man, this is really cool, I'm telling anyone I know, and, and, and suddenly that could become a, a great request from southwestern Ontario. Hey, uh, you know, I heard from somebody who heard from somebody, this is a great item to get, or that you have the help to give me yeah. learning this item. So for you guys, it's wonderful, and it's so great to know and see these conversations are happening as, as, as you guys try to perfect what you do. Now, end of the year is synonymous with the holiday season. What does uh, Smart Life have planned for this time of the year? Well, we completely understand there, there are sometimes barriers to accessing the right technology. Knowledge and confidence with technology is one of, one of the barriers a lot of people find. It still yeah. stands that we welcome anyone into our Smart Life Centers to be hands-on with our products. Investing in the appropriate technology for you or your loved one is just that. It's an investment. We... <clears throat> We are happy to take the time to demonstrate all of our products and services so you can feel confident and happy when you leave with that investment. Along the same lines of investment, we have also, we also know cost is a barrier to access. We have partnered with our providers and are trying to bring relevant promotions to our clients. For example, we have an assortment of electronic handheld magnifiers such as the Ruby XL or Compact 10, now being discounted anywhere between $125 and $175. Nice. <clears throat> yeah, the InVision glasses, which I know were featured on your show in the past, are now being discounted just under $1,000. And it includes the new Lux frame until the end of the year. Lastly, what holiday season is complete without a cuddly friend? For anyone purchasing over $100 online, we'll be sending out one of our CNIB guide dogs and training stuffies. Nice. So Man. everybody wants to end the year on a good note. And those are just some of the promotions we have been able to have available to our clients this time of year. So, and there's even more on our promotions page. Ah, there you go. I was just going to ask you, where yeah. is the location to see all that? Because I know we don't necessarily get, and I don't know if people there can sign up for emails for whenever there is a sales or anything like that, that that's being marketed. But that's the one thing I'd say that I, I wonder is that spot there. And I'm sure those who like to buy or like to keep up on it, they know this. But can you share with us, where do we go or can you get on a mailing list? So there's both options. You can go to cnibsmartlife.ca. There's a promotions page. Then down at the bottom, if you choose to sign up for the newsletter, you will get information about upcoming sales. There was recently a back-to-school sale. There was a sale for Black Friday. There's some promotions being offered right now, as I was just saying. Um, so those all come out in the newsletters, and we do make sure that those coaches 
are as aware of these sales as possible so that when you go into one of our locations, they will say to you, you know, there, there are these promotions going on. Let's figure out what works for you. Yeah. And who doesn't love a promotion really? And I, I love even, even right? just the add on, add on with the stuffy. I think that's cool, especially around this time of year. You, you get all kinds of these things. So everyone loves their promotions, but with that, comes uh, as we wind down the year that comes with looking ahead into uh, 2023 which sounds kind of weird to say at this moment in time but it is around the corner what can you preview coming down the pipe for us of course so we do have some exciting things we've heard from our community in Kelowna loud and clear and we're bringing a smart, a smart life center to you uh there will be more transformations of our existing Smart Life Centers to become refreshed so that we can offer even better Smart Life experiences to our clients. We've also had a few, we also have a few new and exciting programs. I'm not at liberty to speak about just yet, but just to say that we've heard loud and clear about the barriers to accessing technology. And we will be de debuting new programs and supports for these barriers in 2023. CNIB Smart Life is all about open innovation. And we continue to, we're committed to continue to innovate and to bring the most relevant and latest solutions to our community. It will be a busy and exciting 2023. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I'm going to tell you though. You are safe. No, like we won't tell anybody. If you want to, kind of sneak in one of those things, you can't. <laughs> say, don't don't worry about the rest of them. They'll them don't. Yeah, but um, that is absolutely they'll never fantastic. Know. Uh, they'll never know. <laughs> We're all very good here. Those associated with the shows, our listeners certainly are great, great potential clients, if not clients, but they're awesome at keeping secrets. Um. <laughs> So with that being said, since we're all going to try to sneak in and, and find out and get some stuff for the holiday season, as things wind down at this time of the year, are there any changes to the smart life hours between now and the beginning of the new year? So none at all. Um, we have updated our hours on our website so that everything is up to date, including contact information for the local smart life coaches in each region. We'll remain open until December 24th, and then from the 25th on till January 3rd, we will be closed for a much-needed break, but then we'll reopen January 3rd to clients. Well, I have to tell you, I hope you need that break because I hope you guys are so busy, you're so tired, it'll serve you <laughs> right. Um, that is awesome. Me too. Uh, congratulations too. Nice to uh, first get you on the program, but also having you yourself and the rest of the coaches across Canada, because I think as mentioned, you're going to be kept busy. Uh, a lot of people will really appreciate the advisement. So, uh, anything that you, you bring, whether it's in person or those conversations over the phone, because I'm sure you guys noticed more people are comfortable with calling up, asking questions, and ordering mm -hmm. just like that as opposed to, well, I have to see it. Has, that must be one of the biggest things you, you've noticed uh, since you come on board and, and that uh, CNIB Smart Life has noticed, especially loaning stuff out to people and letting them try it out. Oh, and it's it's wonderful to have the opportunity to, to chat with clients and figure out what's the right device for them and then how do we get you the right device. And it really give people more flexibility when they can call in and talk to us. Have you noticed, and again, maybe 
this is one of those questions that I stop and think. We we know before the pandemic, many people would say, "Oh, you know what? <laughs> I'm not really good with tech," or "Or oh, I'm too old to learn something so different, so new, or whatever." But we also know lots of people had to really change what they do, what they utilize during the pandemic. Has that, in that mm-hmm. essence, helped with getting people a little more braver when you get people on the phone less scary, scared to borrow something and try it? I think it has. And I think just being really open with people with their technology and having those conversations that you really can't break this. So it's okay to push buttons. It's okay to try. Here's some of the things that are really going to be beneficial for you day to day. Um, you really, you see people be a lot more willing to try. So as long as you're making it a comfortable environment for them to, to try it out, you're seeing people of all age groups be more interested in technology. Wow. That's really nice to hear. Ginny, thank you very much. Uh, the best of the season to you guys. Keep really busy so you really need to, that, that holiday time and eat well and then get back at it in the new year with hopefully uh, a lot more fun. And we'll talk to you then. That sounds wonderful. We'll see you in the new year. Thank you so much. Jenny Sweet, wrapping up the uh, year from CNIB Smart Life, letting us know what's going on there. Some of the changes, kind of really interesting and fascinating to see what's going to happen as they go forward into uh, 2023. Well, Brock and I are carrying you through this edition of Kelly and Company on your Monday, ladies and gentlemen. And as we do on Mondays, it's time to have a discussion on uh, knowing our rights. And I always love it because it breaks down so many things that are everyday happenings in our world that we may not necessarily understand fully. Danielle McLaughlin leads us after the break. Listen to us right from your TV. Novus subscribers, channel 889. And Rogers Mountain, channel 889 as well. Visit ami.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. Kelly McDonald with Brock Richardson. Well, at this time, we talk about Monday staples. And this has been a Monday staple since the very beginning. And that is Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin. Danielle, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. I understand you have a guest with you, Kara Zwiebel, that we're going to have a great conversation with this afternoon. Yes, I am really pleased that Kara Zwiebel, who is my friend and director of the Fundamental Freedoms Program for the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, has come back to speak with us today. I'm sure many of our listeners uh, are aware that Kara has been in the media quite a lot recently as one of the lawyers who represented CCLA at the inquiry into the use of the Emergencies Act. Hello, Kara, and welcome back. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for having me. Uh, always a thrill. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get right into it because there's just so much to know, and, and I think you're the person who knows it. <laughs> Could you help us to understand what the Emergencies Act inquiry is about and, and what role you have been playing in it? Sure. The, so 
um, as we, we probably remember not, not too long ago in uh, February of this year, the federal government declared a public order emergency in response to the uh, protests and blockades and occupations that were taking place, you know, um, in, in Ottawa, as well as in some areas near the border. Um, and uh, and they, by, by declaring a public order emergency, they brought into effect a couple of um, emergency orders and were able to do some things that they otherwise would not have been able to do, like uh, compel tow truck drivers, for example, to provide services to remove large vehicles from, from downtown Ottawa or, or other, other protest sites. Um, now, one of the things that the, the Emergencies Act does is um, it, it has a number of different kind of accountability tools in it. And one of those accountability tools is a requirement that there be a public inquiry following, um, you know, the, the use of the act. And so that has to take place within a certain period of time. Um, and so the commission, the Public Order Emergency Commission, was was is that inquiry. And they, um, unfortunately, unlike most public inquiries that, that have a more open-ended kind of schedule, under the Emergencies Act, they have to report back to Parliament within a year of the revocation of the emergency. So that's the February 23rd, I think, was when, when it was revoked. Um, so they had a, a lot of work to do in a very short period of time and a pretty um, substantial mandate in terms of looking at not just why the government um, invoked the, the Emergencies Act, but the measures that it used um, the sort of events that led up to the invocation and a number of different issues around uh, crowdfunding and misinformation that that the government had asked them to look into. So it was a very broad mandate. Um, and then organizations and different parties could apply to participate in the inquiry. And so the Canadian Civil Liberties Association made an application to participate and, and we were granted uh, party status. So we could um, you know, get access to all of the the documents and question witnesses that appeared, and um, and are now in the process of preparing our closing sort of written submissions to the to the commission. That's a really tight turnaround, isn't it? To to have it all done within a year. That it, you must be working extremely hard on on this. Um, I'm I'm curious. The word emergency is something that we use in common parlance all the time, but how is it defined for the purposes of the Emergencies Act, or how is it even understood for this purpose? Yeah, so the, the, um, the Emergencies Act has uh, a couple of different types of emergencies that, that can be declared, and, and people might remember that um, in the kind of early days of the pandemic, there was some suggestion about whether the federal government should declare um, an emergency. The federal government is probably the only government in Canada that didn't declare an emergency during the COVID pandemic, but they could have used um, the, the, uh, the, I think it's called a public welfare emergency. Um, that, that's the section of the Emergencies Act that they might have used to deal with something like a pandemic. What they used in February was the public order emergency part. And and so the, the Emergencies Act defines national emergencies in certain ways. So a national emergency is supposed to be something that um, could pose a serious threat to the lives, health, and safety of Canadians, or um, something that threatens our territorial integrity or sovereignty, um, and that can't be adequately addressed by 
by any other law of Canada. Um, a public order emergency is sort of that plus. So um, a public order emergency is something that um, arises out of threat to the security of Canada. And that is a term that is defined in the legislation by referencing another law, which is the, the CSIS Act, so the Canadian Security Intelligence Services Act, so our spy agency. They are um, they have authorities to investigate threats to the security of Canada, um, and that term has a very, or phrase, has a very particular meaning. Um, you know, it might involve things like espionage or foreign um, interference or other kind of covert activities that um, might result in you know, serious violence or threats of violence um, in Canada. And so a public order emergency is something arising out of a threat to the security of Canada that is also, you know, a national emergency. So that, that definition I raised earlier. So it gets a little bit complicated in terms of looking at the, mm-hmm. at the statute itself and j- jumping around. Um, but as far as how, you know, how do we perceive of an emergency, I think that's really a key question. And, and I think part of what we're going to see with, with the commission when it eventually issues a report is, is, is the answer to that because, um, you know, it's the first time the government has used this legislation at all, um, and they, um, you know, they very clearly tried to make a case at the commission that uh, that this was a situation that had gotten out of control, that um, required tools that didn't already exist, and that they needed to step in to address it. Um, and, and for them, that was enough. And they, they, you know, in my, and I'm, I'm editorializing, I think a bit here, but in my view. They, um, that focus on sort of threats to the security of Canada, I would say they, they took a, a fairly broad or loose interpretation because I don't think they ever um, really believed that this was a, um, a situation where the government was at risk of being violently overthrown um, or even that, that was there my were next question. <laughs> yeah, is there any yeah. evidence that that shows that they really thought that you know our democratic system was was at risk uh, because of all the, the the truckers and the honking and everything else. I, I mean, there, there's probably I'm, I'm sure that there is stuff that you've heard during this this commission of inquiry that you didn't know before the inquiry started. Yeah. Is, that, is that true? Yes, yes, and I think I mean I think what we what we did here. Um, was, you know, I think there, there was also a fair bit of evidence that we heard from different both law enforcement actors and government actors about what we didn't know, you know, like mm-hmm. what, what they didn't know, um, and that that was a big concern for them, that, you know, there was there was a gap. There was all of these people gathering in these places, and we didn't know. We didn't know what was in the trucks. We didn't know... Um, what might have happened? We didn't know all the connections necessarily between the different um, the different groups. Which it, it appears actually that there weren't really meaningful connections between different groups of protesters. Um, I mean, they they all I think interacted with each other on social media, but um, there wasn't necessarily the kind of coordination that I think people might have thought there was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things also that we we heard was that, um, you know, as far as the biggest kind of threat of an act of violence, there was a concern that maybe um, there would be sort of a lone wolf attack that would 
use the protests as kind of a cover or that um, that the the protests were sort of attracting people that were um, kind of easy to prey upon for, for people who are interested in kind of taking violent extremist action. So, so some we heard from some of the theories and that sort of. Yeah, yeah, that there was there was kind of a receptive audience there. And so there was concerns about that. But, you know, I, I think we, we all obviously perceive threats in different ways. My my view is that those things were are fairly, you know, um, fairly kind of remote threats. And and most of the evidence um, that we heard from law enforcement and intelligence was that um, although these protests were very disruptive and, um, you know, there were certainly um, criminal acts that happened, uh, people being harassed, maybe maybe people being assaulted, um, obviously huge disruption to business and, and just, you know, peaceful life. Um, yeah. They were by and large not violent uh, protests. Um, they were, you know, by and large fairly um, peaceful in the sense of being not non-violent. So, um I, I think if you and if you if you go back and sort of look at what the government said at the time, they were also very focused on uh, concerns about the economy and the what the border blockades were doing to our our reputation internationally in terms of the economy. Now, would that be considered a national security issue that are our, our, you know that the, the border blockades or that the blockades of the city of Ottawa? Um, might affect business, might might have a, a you know a bad effect on business. Is that a national security issue? And 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 how do we even know? Yeah. So so it's I think you know there's probably as many <laughs> definitions of what that might mean as there are as there are people in Canada. I would say no. Um, and at least on the terms of the legislation as it currently stands, I would say that's not um, a threat to the security of Canada within the meaning of the act. Um, but it, it's clear that. Some of the, the, the federal cabinet ministers um, did consider this to be a really significant threat and were maybe taking a, a, a view of national security that's a bit broader. I, I think, you know, I think we have to be careful about about that. It's important to kind of, uh, especially if we're using national security as sort of a, a code word to mean we can use extraordinary measures um, we have to be careful not to pack too much in there. I think if it if it starts to mean everything, then it, it sort of ends up meaning nothing. nothing. Yeah, for sure. Now, there seems to have been quite a focus on the issue of the police behavior in Ottawa and even police competence uh, at the time of the trucker blockade. Is that part of this inquiry, that looking into how the police behaved and, and you know, whether they, the, the Emergencies Act had to be invoked because... The police weren't doing their job. Is is that part of the inquiry, or is that a separate issue? It's definitely been a part. It was definitely a big part of what um, the the commission was hearing in terms of evidence. So they you know they they heard from a lot of um, people in law enforcement who were involved in um, in responding to the protests, and then also from government actors who were um, either you know c- communicating with police or were frustrated by what police were doing or were not doing or or concerned about it and and it's kind of interesting that you know that the, the commission also heard on a number of occasions about another commission of inquiry the, the Ipperwash inquiry which um I also yes. participated <laughs> yes I'm sure yeah. you do so yeah. um you know and one of the issues that 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 was that was 
significant in the upper wash inquiry was about um, whether, you know, politicians can direct police. And it, it, right. it's pretty clear that they, they can't direct police operationally, that police have to have, you know, independence in terms of carrying out investigations, deciding how they're going to operationalize their their goals. Um, but it, in my view, there were some witnesses that I, I think may have um, taken this question of police independence from government a, a little farther than is justified. So there, there seemed to be a lot of tiptoeing around the police, that, that politicians were worried that they would be stepping over that line. Um, and you get a sense that maybe if everyone had sat down and had a really frank conversation about things, um, it, it might have been better. Because ultimately what the Emergencies Act did was was tell police in very explicit terms, um, start doing these things, right? Start uh, start clearing things, start enlisting, um, you know, tow trucks to, to clear roads, um, it, so it didn't tell, it, giving them operational direction. This is, you know, you get those tow trucks and get them to take the trucks that are blocking traffic I mean, out, of, out of the city, that kind of thing. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, ultimately, police still had to, you know, make decisions about how to go about doing those things. And and the truth is, I think we heard evidence that those were all things that they were planning to do. It was taking them a long time to to pull um, to pull that plan together and to pull the resources they needed to execute that plan together. Um, in, in terms of just the number of officers that they needed, particularly in Ottawa, to clear that, um, you know, to, to clear that protest. But um, yeah, but ultimately, you know, in, in trying to avoid sort of the, this stepping over this line, I think we ended up with a, a more extreme approach, which was using these extraordinary measures. And you know, and our view at the CCLA has has been that um, police did have to. The, the legal tools that they needed to, to deal with these protests. It took them a long time to get the resources they needed to, to use those tools effectively. Um, but, but, you know, as far as they're not being sufficient. The Emergencies Act in the view of the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. Yes, I think so. I mean, you know, lots of, lots of the witnesses did say this helped, you know, it was, it was a big help. Um, I think it helped. It was easier for people to understand on the ground that there were these orders in place than for police to just say, we have these powers already, which which they do. You know, they have lots of powers under the common law to, to do some of these things, but um, it was easier for them to point to these emergency orders. So it's clear that it was helpful. Um, but, you know, again, our, our view is that that's not really the test. The, the test really is, was it necessary and, and was it proportional? Now, I'm afraid that we're going to run out of time, but I have one quick question, yeah. and that is um, when the Emergencies Act is, in, is invoked, it's in effect for the entire country. Um, there have been claims that this did, the use of this act did not suspend Canadians' rights and liberties. Just a, did, does, did it suspend rights and liberties on, in, in, some, in some way? So I think it's a complicated question, and, um, you know, the, the the, the Emergencies Act explicitly says that the measures that are enacted under it have to comply with the Charter. Um, mm -hmm. But the Charter, as you know very well, um, you know, the limits that are placed on Charter rights are assessed in terms of whether they're reasonable and justified. And in doing that, courts will look at kind of the overall context. And the overall context of 
something that, you know, the federal government has deemed a threat to the security of Canada requiring emergency measures is a very different context than, you know, your average day. So uh, my view is that the measures that were in place would almost certainly fail a constitutional challenge in the ordinary course, like if they were enacted today just as regular laws, I think they would clearly violate the charter. Um, Whether, you know, because they were enacted in this context of an emergency, they were justified, that's that's sort of a a different question. And I think um, that's why I find it. When the report comes out, may, may I ask you back to talk about it again? Yes, we yes, I'm sorry. I know what's going on. I know, and, I know we're short Well, there's time. so much to say, and I have so <laughs> many more questions. So thank you so much for joining us. Believe me, you will be hearing from me again. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks again. Okay. Thank you. That was Kara Zwiebel, Director of the Fundamental Freedoms Program for the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, speaking with us about the inquiry into the use of the Emergencies Act. Thank you so much, Danielle. Always a great conversation. And we do that on Mondays right here on Kelly and Company with Know Your Rights. We're back to wrap up the show and see what's up on Now with Dave Brown in one moment. Folks, I want to remind you to check out the program via the Kelly and Company podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. Always appreciate whichever way you consume the show at your convenience. You can listen to the show in segment form. You can listen to the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience. Subscribe using your favorite podcast platform. Maybe while you're in there, if you don't mind, giving us a rating and review. Brock, quickly, a segment from today's show that you think people may want to go back and take a listen to via the podcast. If you're already in holiday mode like many of us are, going back to uh, Kim Kilpatrick's uh, report talking about some of the stuff that's around Ottawa, and I think she gave some really good uh, advice going to your city's website and seeing what there is because I agree with her. She said that a lot of Canadians kind of stick in their own, I do this and I do this and then I do that, and there can be more that you're missing out on. So I thought that was a great segment. Yeah, I really loved um, a lot of, too, what we talked about with Michael today about IRA. For people wondering about the changes, we know a lot of people using IRA. And so wonderful to have these different apps available to us. So check that out. Lots of things happening there as they're on top of stuff. Paul Daniel joins us. He's one of the producers over there at Now with Dave Brown. He joins Brock and I to tell us what's coming up on their 9 a.m. on AMI-TV show tomorrow. What should we look forward to, sir? Hey, Kelly. On tomorrow's show, as some businesses return to in-person working, there are inevitably going to be more public events like company conferences. Remember those those public events? Well, our contributor, Kelly Brown Johnson, will tell us what makes for a successful and inclusive and accessible conference. She points out accessibility and inclusion begin not at the conference, but at the airport when people are trying to find connecting flights to get to, the, to get to their destination. Our new community reporter, Kelly Curtis, will join us from PEI and tell us more about the lack of affordable housing in the province. And, of course, tomorrow's Tuesday, we'll have our weekly news quiz. Wow. As usual, sir, and it always seems funny because Tuesday just kind of jumps back at us and it's like, wow, wow, boy, a nice filled show and it's Tuesday and away we go with the quiz. So are you selling any of the answers? 
Uh, I mean, it is the season. You know. I, 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 first of all, people around here are pretty. They don't have a lot of cash. They don't. They don't. They don't make big offers. You know. They offer what? you free coffee. Yeah, what, what do you mean? Oh, that. I was just gonna say, can't you really like indulge in that free coffee? Like, don't isn't that the mm-hmm. kind of thing? I get to myself though. You know, <laughs> keep something more than that. Make make entice me. Make make a make a more generous offer. <laughs> I guess I'd be I guess I'd be cheap because if they offered me coffee, I'd be like, sure, there it is, French vanilla. I'm on it. I'm all over it. So, I mean, how bad do you want to win this the news quiz? <laughs> exactly. Does um, it mean that much to you? Wow. Thanks, Paul. Take care, Kelly. Paul Daniel, one of the producers now with Dave Brown. We remind you, you can find their show as a podcast and listen, catch up with it. Or, ladies and gentlemen, you can also watch the show live at 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv. Brock, thank you, pal. Enjoy being with uh, with me this week on the show. And we'll be back at it tomorrow at 2. Also, a special thanks to our senior producer, Matt Agnew, who jumped in to tech the show today. On the program tomorrow, it's time for our nutrition segment with uh, Julia Caranches, where we learn about some health and wellness-related gift ideas. On our woodworking segment, Jeff Thompson, he'll be telling us about an oscillating tool for cutting almost anything. And the 10th annual Krampus Ball will return this Saturday, December 10th, uh, over at the Opera House in Toronto. Celebrating the darker side of Christmas, James Fisher, one of the organizers of the project, will join us on the show to fill us in on a little bit more. That and a whole lot more tomorrow starting at 2 p.m. Eastern here on Kelly and Company. Fedora's off to you folks. Have a good night. I'm sure our blind and partially sighted listeners will relate to this. Have you guys ever noticed that using our phones with voiceover, talk back, however we do it, is so much more noticeable than when sighted people use their phones? This always drives me bonkers. You're at a party, a dinner, whatever. You're talking along and all of a sudden somebody goes, oh, cute, cute. Yeah, I'm just showing someone a picture on my phone. And the next minute it'll be, Oh, the, I, sorry, I just have to repost something really quickly. I was just reading an article, and now I'm resharing it. And it's so unnoticeable when people do this visually because they just have to glance at their phone a couple of times that it's no big deal. But when we pull out our phones just to check a quick text, maybe it's an emergency or just to check the time, everybody notices. It's like, what are you doing? Are you listening to podcasts? Are you... Board? Are you making a phone call? What's going on here? No, no, no. I just had to respond to one or two text messages. But it's so non-subtle because we have to hold our phones up to our ears, listen to a screen reader, pull out a Braille display. That'd be a neat new feature if somebody comes up with a way, and I don't know how they would do it, but to make our phone usage a little more subtle. This is Grant Hardy doing my vanity card here for Kelly Co., where I'm talking about one of my little party pet peeves. I got to keep my phone in my pocket on standby, sleep mode, silent mode, whatever you call it. And I don't have the same subtlety to go on Facebook, send text messages, whatever that everybody else does. (laughs) But we just have to laugh at it. And uh, you know what? It's so cool how far accessibility has come 
it's amazing that I even can access a smartphone because I think people thought that the blind community was going to be left behind when the smartphone era came to be. That's absolutely not what happened at all. And I am so incredibly grateful and blessed to be able to access this technology anyway. Hey, happy holidays to everybody listening to Kelly Co. listening to this right now. Can't wait to produce some more content in the new year. Mm-hmm.